This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode contains spoilers for Star Wars The Force Awakens. If you have not seen Star Wars The Force Awakens, listen at your own risk. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. This feels like a long time coming, and and it's hard to believe that it ever even happened. I'll be honest. I've reiterated that fact multiple times on the show. I can't believe this this has even occurred, uh, that we actually sat in a theater and watched a new Star Wars movie. Um, unbelievable thought. A lot of things have been very fortunate for us on this podcast. Amongst those, number one being that this whole project was announced about two weeks before we started the podcast. <laughs> right, yeah. We were just trading emails, kind of talking about what we would potentially talk about on the show. They're like, oh, thank you, News Fairy. <laughs> Disney just bought Star Wars. Yeah. So we've been talking about that since the impetus of the show, and right. uh, and now we can actually talk about something with substance. Yeah, and the only thing it's been superseded by over those last three years is uh, Now You See Me. For those of you new to the show... Uh, Kent Garrison here, along with Brian Gill and Richard Barden, my cohorts. Hello. Here to break it all down. Star Wars The Force Awakens, maybe one of the biggest movies of all time, most hyped up movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, where does this hype rank, Brian? You were, you were, you were there, you remember, with uh, the, the uh, Phantom Menace, <laughs> hype-wise alone. Not, uh, not, uh, not buzz or anything like that, but just, just anticipation. Yeah, I think they're comparable... For me, I don't know, man. That's I, I've thought about that all the way home because this is definitely one of the maybe five uh, biggest, most anticipated movies of, of my lifetime for, for me personally. And I can't decide uh, whether Phantom Menace comes out ahead of it on that front just because that was the first new Star Wars. Like I, as a kid, you know, I grew up from – 1983 until I, I mm-hmm. imagine probably about 1997 is when I really heard like for sure that we're doing more Star Wars. So for that 14 years, like I just it never crossed my mind that there that there would be more Star Wars one day. And then, hey, there is going to be more Star Wars. And I so I did spend a couple years um, just going crazy about that. You know, this time. The surprise factor of Disney bought it and were uh, and immediately announced the new trilogy and and all the stuff that's come along in this last three years, it's a it's very similar. Um, but I guess I the first time around it was more of I couldn't you know I kind of couldn't believe that there was actually going to be more Star Wars. This time it's it's driven more by having seen more Star Wars. Um, now I want to see good Star Wars again. And I, I kind of had resigned myself to, despite how much I love, 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 love this franchise and how I mean, truly important these movies were to me. Like I had gotten to a point after the prequels, well, really during the prequels where I didn't 
want any more of this because I didn't want it to um, kind of sully what had come before it, you know? And mm-hmm. so I feel like there was mixed emotions amongst fanboys such as myself when Disney acquired Star Wars of like, well, I don't know. I don't trust Disney. And and my my thought at the time was, and then soon after when they hired JJ, it really, I think, brought it together of like, they there's nothing that Disney could do that could possibly be any worse than than what the prequels did so for me that was a you know that was a banner day of like okay we could get more star we're going to get more star wars and yeah yeah it's not going to be controlled by george lucas my, my like, thought of that was you know disney bought the rights and people were eye-rolling like oh go- oh gosh disney kids movies star wars was rated pg guys right. uh this these these movies are gonna be family friendly they're gonna be star wars movies even if yeah. you know this one's pg-13 yeah. but i mean the the uproar around the disney acquisition made me confused yeah. i didn't i i knew well, I, I thought it was in good hands for, for right from the beginning right yeah, when i saw same. the alert on my phone right. when the when the deal went down it said disney star wars episode 7 2015 and that's all i read and all i cared about and i was like awesome yeah, totally on board. I'm the same way. I think wait. it's just it's like being millennials. It's like we're we're almost required to hate Disney and like corporate culture and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And I I kind of get that, but there's no one has the appropriate relationship relationship <laughs> with Disney. I feel like anymore. Sure. No, absolutely it's not. Either I still I still watch Snow White three times a week, or everything Disney does sucks. And there's no one. that's just like yeah, they're a movie company, and some stuff they make is good, right? And they have a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always felt like it was in good hands and I, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but I feel like tonight proved it. <laughs> well, we are in the actual episode. We're not anticipating, believe it or not, anymore. To the Force <laughs> Awakens. I know we've done like literally 12 hours of anticipation talk, if yeah. that, maybe Let's more. Let's get into it. Let's, Let's get, get into, into it. it. I'm psyched, hyped, ready to talk uh, Star Wars. I want to talk a little bit about our experience just seeing the movie. Yeah. Like I said, it was crazy. A lot of people out and about uh, every theater I passed on the way from the theater we saw it at. And uh, my, uh, my house mm-hmm. was completely packed every parking lot, <laughs> yeah. about five theaters that I passed on the way uh, to the IMAX. Yeah. And that was pretty impressive on a one, 1 a.m. on a Thursday uh, night, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, if you will. So, I mean, pretty crazy. Uh, I feel the effects of this, um, you know, you go on Twitter and people that never tweet about movies or, Star Wars or tweeting about Star Wars. And uh, this is uh, this is going to be a fun weekend. But what was your experience like, Brian, going to the seven o'clock screening? We saw a 10 o'clock one later right. in the night, yeah. but uh, you saw an earlier earlier one. How was that? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I was there. Yeah, I was there at seven. That was my whole goal was I just I just wanted to see I wanted to see this movie as soon as I possibly could. And I didn't want the second showing. I didn't want to, like, be waiting in line when some idiot walks out and ruins a key plot point or something like that. I just wanted to be able to see the first showing that I could. So I went with my wife and some friends and it was uh it was a cool environment. It was amped. Uh, it was good. It was not as good though. I'll say as, as the showing we were at, uh, that you and I were at Kent. Uh, I, so I, I saw it at seven and then, uh, with, with our friend Jason and, uh, and some other friends. And then Jason and I hauled it across town, uh, to to Dallas to meet you at ten twenty for the IMAX showing, and um, that theater was way more amped than the 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 seven o'clock. Theater really? Was. 
Yeah, I mean, it's nothing. I don't think it was anything. I thought more. it was a good amped. It wasn't an annoying amped. Yeah, like that's some exactly. can be. It was. It kind of hit the perfect stride of like there. You know, you get applause. There was there were several moments in the seven o'clock that I got very similar reactions to the to the ten twenty. But it just seemed like that crowd, that IMAX crowd, was more in on the joke than we were. You know, like, like we were more, all being, more of yeah. an intelligent crowd than yes, yeah. yes. It okay. was. Uh, it was that. It was that you could tell Smart that crowd. group was super nerded out and it might be part that we were in a smaller theater and so you're you know smaller seats too and everything so you're kind of compressed with all those people at an IMAX it was a good um, energy and though. it might yeah. just be that you know the IMAX costs like $18 instead of 9 or whatever that I paid for the first go around so. exactly what but it was you? fun, man. I, I I really enjoyed watching it with that group. It was. I super... would love a tally of the amount of money you've given Star Wars. In your life. <laughs> oh, it's probably like, it's in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. It's just embarrassing, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's a small fortune. Could have yeah. maybe saved, like I don't know, cured cancer or something. <laughs> but... but you know, you didn't. So, yeah, right. Richard, what was you? What did you? What was your experience like? It was great. I uh, I had an 11 o'clock showing. I was the last of the three of us to see it. I drove down to... I was weird about... I don't... I have social anxiety in certain areas of things, believe it or not. And uh, I don't do lines well. Yeah. So I had to find something with reserved seats. I, will, I got there at about 10.15 for an 11.05 showing. Mm-hmm. And I there was a huge line. Um, out the front of the theater, wrapped through the whole mall, but it moved really quickly, and I got in it, and then it. I went to my theater, and my theater said private showing for like Accenture, and I was like, oh god, okay, well I'm gonna have to pretend I'm an Accenture employee. So my cousin works for Accenture, so I was like queuing up to text her to like you know give me some parlance that I may need, uh, but apparently that was an earlier screening, uh, so I got in the line, and I was like third in line for my. Which didn't matter because I had I had a seat, right. um, but it was weird. They I guess the Accenture people were messy because my screening was at eleven oh five and the theater didn't open until eleven oh one. Like we wow. couldn't go in, so everyone was kind of nervous. Just a wild party. Yeah, and so uh, we go in at eleven oh one. Everyone sits down. It's a pretty sizable theater, so it's probably about five hundred people in there. Yeah, and we all just sat down, and then the trailer started like there was no real like atmosphere <laughs> hanging out before we were all nervous in line and then we all sat down which was fine yeah i was just so happy to be sitting in a seat and then uh there were 149 trailers i think somewhere, <laughs> somewhere between one i lost count at 144 but i think <laughs> um really the best trailer was uh i'm not kidding this is how bad the trailers were and i'm i'm not joking the best trailer i saw was for the new kung fu panda film <laughs> By far. It was like Batman vs. Superman. Um, just a bunch of stuff. And then that. Warcraft. War, yes. Warcraft. Yes. Oh, we haven't talked about that trailer. We need to at a later date. But Yeah. Oof. And then, that, and then <laughs> the movie. And so so uh, we'll get into the movie here. And Kent, uh, you saw it on IMAX. I just saw it regular 3D. Yeah. And yeah. before we get into like plot and things that matter, this was the best 3D experience of my life. I loved it in 3D. I thought it was fantastic. Wow. Matt props, Brian. I just have to give you Matt props for the, the booking of the tickets. I, I will say prime seating. Thir- yeah. 13 rows back, dead center, IMAX yeah, 3D. Wow. Congrats, uh, guys. I think, we, I think we were the first in the theater when I bought them. So yeah, and I those seats. little life hack for the listener, movie life hack. 13 rows back is the prime, 
and in the middle because <laughs> that's where the audio engineer sits when he mixes the movie. So you'll get the perfect experience, 13 rows back, dead center. Nice. But that's where we were, and, man, it was great. For 3D, especially IMAX 3D, you really do need a good angle. You need a good seat. You need to be towards the back. I was I was a little nervous. I, I got to admit, before before going in, before the opening crawl happened and everything, I was a little skeptical, more skeptical than I should have been. I completely admit that. But you know, it's funny, can't you say that? Like, I've been surrounded, but you—you've been one of them. There's been several people in my life that are that are Star Wars fanboys that have been nervous. This, you know, for very at various points in this process, and I've always been very confident. Of like, no, this is going to be great. I have no concerns. I'm totally good. And right as the opening crawl hit. I had this like moment of panic of like, what if this isn't a good movie? What if this is bad? What, you know, yeah. it just was like going through and it, you know, within a minute it had been washed away. But for that one minute, I seriously was like about to have a panic attack or something. I was just like, what, what's going to happen to me if this is a bad movie? I don't know if I can take that. Man, the opening crawl in IMAX 3D. Holy yeah. moly. <laughs> good, yeah. good grief. Uh, it was chills and, and, I was actually confused or surprised because we didn't, you know, obviously we didn't get the 20th Century Fox, you know, fanfare at the beginning. Yeah. We normally get that signature to all previous Star Wars films. No bad robot uh, logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I thought. Yeah. And no Disney logo. Uh, like I thought it was yeah, just, just Lucasfilm Lucas and a long time ago, a galaxy far, far away, which I thought was extremely appropriate. And, yeah. you know, just something very simple like that, you know, that, um, it makes it more of a comfortable viewing experience. It didn't really throw you off. A, a Disney sure. fanfare in 3D and all that flying through the castle would, would have been would have felt yeah. weird. And I, I'm glad that they realized that. And yeah. and it's a small touch. And I'm sure Disney, being Disney, was like, we want our name as much yeah. on this as we can. We want to get credit for that, you know. And and there's and just so many Star strokes Wars like that. Movie from here on out has the Disney mm-hmm. and and everything else. I'm totally good with that. But I did like this one just went straight into a long time ago in a galaxy far but like that's that was perfect you know brian every shred of doubt i had uh escaped when you know opening fanfare uh crawl and by the way it was it was very well written very understandable unlike the phantom menace like the phantom menace (laughs) opening crawl you're like zero federation yeah embargo (laughs) what are we even and uh this one is footnoted like a david foster wallace book (laughs) Yeah, this this was very simple, and uh, I, you know, well, there's super script, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But every shred of doubt I had escaped when I saw the opening shot and the planet, and then the big ship goes over and covers the planet like the shadow of the ship, sort of kind of an opposite angle of what we see in the opening of A New Hope. It's it's a cool way to do it, and what a cool touch and great shot. And I don't know, I knew we were in good hands just like right from there. Um, That. I just want to, before we get into this and start, I just want to, you know, say thank you, honestly, to to JJ and to Kathleen Kennedy and the people that, that did this because, you know, they did this the right way. Yeah. 100% every step of the way, they did this the right way. And um, one of the biggest faults of the prequels is, I'm not sure if we touched on it in our in our prequel episodes, but, you know, there was a sign in the production office at all times uh, during... Uh, the Phantom Menace that said this movie is coming out May 5th, 1999, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter if it sucks. It doesn't matter if it's not done. It doesn't matter if we can't do it. 
it's coming out, and that's how. And and you know, it's been well publicized with this movie. They pushed the date back. This was supposed to come out last May, but you know, they they were willing to give it an extra six months be, to make it a better movie. And oh my gosh, as expensive as this movie surely was, it looked ten times more expensive. This, this yeah, thing definitely. looked perfect. <laughs> un unfreaking. This was like. Here's what you can do with 30 years more experience <laughs> yeah. with special effects. Like it yeah. shows, um, and like just they, great cinematography and shot planning and right. and everything. The yeah. composite shot composition was was unbelievable, and I don't know who that's on. If it's on JJ himself or if it's on his DP, but, but some of the landscapes here that they use yeah. here and the wide mm-hmm. shots and the yeah. Depth and hundreds of field. And hundreds of thousands of lens flares if you haven't seen it. Just I really honestly flare, honestly, Richard, I noticed I, I paid attention hard and I've noticed maybe one or two lens yeah. flares. And you know what? I want to thank JJ too because he didn't make a a JJ Abrams movie. He made a Star Wars movie. Exactly. And 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 that's the difference. He with with Star Trek, he made a JJ Abrams movie. And and it it, it feels like it. This felt a hundred and thousand ten percent like like Star Wars, um, and I really appreciated that. It was he could have put his fingerprints all over this as much as he wanted to, but it felt so true to the origin and the tradition of of the uh, of the previous films. There were there were two things really I wanted going into this. One was to please the old fans, you know, please the people yeah. who grew up loving Star Wars, and number two was to I guess give us a ray of light for the future, you know, give us something that we could say, okay, two films, three films later, I can see that this could develop into something great. And, uh, and you know, that I wrote that down before even walking in and, you know, checked them off as soon as I walked out. I felt like it did both. Mm -hmm. Um, I was worried like, like in Jurassic world earlier this year. I mean, the, the references to the old film, you know, while nostalgic and bring, you know, joy to all our hearts. We all love Jurassic park. Um, mm-hmm. It was just too heavy-handed at times and too music-swelly at times, and it just felt so attached to the previous film. Um, I was worried that this would would be, but I feel like they balanced that perfectly. And I was surprised how they used uh, the old cast, too, and I'm excited to talk about that. But my general thoughts is, man, this was, this was great. This was yeah. a great movie. This is one of the best of the year. Man, what an entertaining flick this was! What a ride! What you know? What fun it was! And uh, and I really, really enjoyed myself. So uh, I guess general thoughts on you, Brian. Yeah, I'm with you. This was uh, obviously been looking forward to this for a really long time, and uh, have spoken many, many times about the importance of Star Wars to me personally. And uh, I thought, funnily enough, like I thought. There was a lot of similarities between this and Creed, which we, you know, just loved and went on and on about. Just in terms of, there's a way the the difference between Creed and Jurassic World, which you just mentioned, is um, how are you are you paying homage to the previous films? Are you are you hanging uh, on? Yeah, are you picking up what they left where they left off, or are you just trying to? are you trying desperately to recapture the magic in the bottle rather than go out and create your own magic? And I thought that's what I thought that's what Star Wars. I thought that's what Force Awakens did so well. Uh, I loved the mix of the old cast with the new cast. I was thrilled, thrilled, thrilled by 
the practical effects and the look of the movie, which you guys both mm-hmm. touched on already. I just I was blown away by how good this thing looks uh, in every environment, too. That's yeah. yeah. You know, desert planet or everything in- is rich. I mean, yes. even the space is richer. The ships are richer. The right. planets are richer. It's just stunning. Absolutely, it looked fantastic. Um, Looks almost as good as as Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but I, I was struck immediately by the practical effects because you get looks at uh you know at aliens and different species and everything is very bb8 is practical and the fact that that's i mean gosh that's such a cool creation and um he is such a big player through the through the film and so i i'm struck by that stuff um it's a really funny movie and i mm-hmm. i didn't really expect uh, that yeah like, that was out of nowhere yeah yeah because you know the truth is there's humor within the original trilogy. It's, it's maybe we, one or two or three moments a movie that yeah. are truly laughable, maybe more in A New Hope, but this was right. like almost a comedy. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Lot, there was a lot of – it's not – and it's not just that it's funny. Like it's it's very – it fits the characters too, yeah, yeah. and I, I was really impressed by that. Um, I think J.J. and, and uh, Kathleen Kennedy did an incredible job casting – on this we'll talk about all of them i think in depth as we go um but man i'll tell you what got me the most beyond the visuals were incredible and and like when we when the falcon pops up and and all that those were outstanding but i said going in some of my friends were making the people that i went to see with were were texting in a little group text this this, uh afternoon and we're kind of making fun of me of like i wonder how many times brian's gonna cry you know and um, and I told him, I was like, it's the music that will get me. That's where it really hits home of like, cause to me, as much as I love Han Solo and Chewbacca and Luke and, uh, lightsabers and then the Millennium Falcon and all that stuff. Um, it's the music, it's the score, it's John Williams score that really drives home that stuff. And just immediately, like you hear those notes, it's so iconic. And you immediately, for me, like I immediately think of, all these great moments that I love so much. And gosh, the score was so stinking good on this and Mm -hmm. so seamlessly put together new stuff with the classic iconic score that we know so well. And, um, really, really perfect. So, uh, man, I, I freaking love this movie. I'm going, and I've got, I'm just going to see it twice more tomorrow. And, uh, I can't, I kind of can't wait. Like it's, uh, very rare that I immediately see that I, I I don't know when the last time was that I saw the same movie twice yep. in one day maybe draft, I'd say draft day right <laughs> yeah. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy uh, <laughs> at night and then woke up the next morning and saw it again okay. I think I saw that twice in maybe eight hours or something like that but that was the last yeah. time yeah that was but a it's fun just time so too. rich and there's just so much to take in and uh, and mixed with just my my overall. Uh, nostalgic feelings and love for this franchise. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, this is probably the best best experience I think I've ever had with them in theater uh, with a movie. And and uh, tomorrow we'll, I get to take my kid to see it, and that I think will mm-hmm. be even better. So I'm really I'm really excited. This was this was a blast. It, it hit it, it hit all the marks that I was hoping it would hit, and and I certainly came out feeling great about it. Not uh, no, certainly no disappointment on my end. Richard, before we get to your general thoughts, Brian, I want to ask you, how did your perspective change on from screening one to screening two 
Uh, were you able to concentrate more on the you know shot composition, the score, yeah, you yeah. know things I, like that on the second time that, around? You know that IMAX screen is so big and mm-hmm. uh, and right in your face, so it, you really get to to just really dig into the visuals, which was really cool. Um, I was looking for little hints about the characters that maybe I hadn't picked up on the first time around, and uh, which was that was fun as well. And it, it was I'll say it was a better. I really enjoyed my first screening. Uh, the second time around was was better. Like I had, I think I was just like there was just some nervousness going into the you know the first one. They just kind of took time for me to um, settle in and calm down. And now that going into that second one, knowing okay everything's fine, like it's very good and very well done, and every aspect has has been checked off, and uh, it really put me in a spot where I could just. Um, enjoy and not have to have any concern of what was coming next. So if I, especially for you, Kent, since you're a big time Star Wars guy, I highly yeah. recommend a second viewing. Cause oh, really, I already have one booked. I'm good, probably going to do a third before that one. Nice. Probably do, <laughs> yeah. I'll probably do one tomorrow, maybe one Saturday. Yeah. Awesome. A few more times. Yeah. We're, we have multiple podcasts planned for this or multiple right. podcast episodes planned for this movie. By the way, this is part one of our review. We're going right. to be doing a, a fan, uh, let the fans speak out on this one uh, coming up this weekend. We have some great listeners joining us uh, to talk the movie, too. So stay tuned for that. But what, what were you saying, Brian? Sorry. It was it was fun to be able to know what's coming and still uh, not only appreciate it, but maybe appreciate it more of just being able to sit back and, and enjoy it, I guess. Well, Richard, I, I know that you revisited the previous films this past week to get ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you did for our episode, and then your Mm -hmm. girlfriend hadn't seen him either, so you revisited him then. What are your thoughts on, uh, initial thoughts on episode seven? I'll be honest. So I went in and and was kind of, I mean, I definitely wanted it to be good, and but was kind of prepared for it to be kind of a redux on just Star Wars again and kind of fan servicey and mm-hmm. and not love it. It's um I'll just come out and say it. That's my favorite Star Wars movie I've ever seen. Nice. Um I loved it. Could not have loved it more. Thought it was a perfect summer blockbuster. Um even though I know it's December. That's a uh, a genre not a seasonal type uh description. I think uh the cast was magnificent. The script was great. There's the only criticism is that it's long, both in the macro and the micro in that it's the runtime's a little long. And B, there's a couple moments where you're like, how long are these people going to stare at each other? Can we cut this by eight seconds? You know? Yeah, sure. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, that's it, people have waited 30 years for this. So let them have, you know, their 30 yeah. second stares. Yeah. So I was I, you know, I hope Emma Watson has saved her money because Daisy, Daisy Ridley's here now. So that's. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, she was fantastic. Uh, That's who I I said I wanted for Star Wars was Emma Watson. Yeah, remember when they yeah. first was mm-hmm. announced? She would have well, been great in this role. She but. would have, but this guy guaranteed Daisy was cheaper and uh, and uh, and I think it really enough. yeah I think the fact that she's an unknown like really helps the story too. And I will talk about that later. The fact that I don't know yeah. such a great protagonist she was yes. and, and yeah, so someone, someone, that, someone you can it. identify with, you know. What great casting. You want to start there with our review? Yeah, just, let's just talk, talk about, about the cast. Talk yeah. about this cast. Brian, what were you going to say earlier about? Uh, I just think, you know, it's so – we've seen it with, with Star Wars. We've seen it with this franchise. Like sometimes I feel like – and it doesn't make any sense to me because it, it it's so important. <laughs> but I feel like 
I feel like sometimes the casting almost gets overlooked and you, you fall into this trap of we've got to get somebody. I think George, part of George's problem was he just had to have somebody that looked the part to him and didn't really care that, that Hayden Christensen's a bad actor, you know, and, or God forbid, Jake Lloyd, you know, I think he just had this vision in his head of this is what Anakin Skywalker looks like. And, uh, okay, but you have to get the right people to play these roles. And I don't care whether if they're uh, – we fall into that, and we we also tend to fall into we got to get the name. we got to get a guy who, you know, who can play this part who uh, – you know, that people are going to come out to see. And that's not necessarily the case either. You have to get the right people for the right parts. And um, I know that sounds very simplistic or like – dub or you know but I, I especially in franchise films it just gets missed so often and we've the prequels are just filled with casting choices that are right, questionable bro. to bad jimmy you smith know? is staring you down pretty hard right now <laughs> i love jimmy smith it but it's really weird that he's in that in that role it doesn't make any sense you know and without dennis franz no i know <laughs> the one time in history that samuel samuel l jackson was a bad casting choice like, <laughs> yeah when has he ever been bad like yeah. really that's but good. i thought this one this was one of these so we got jj first and then we get the cast and i i thought at the time look i don't know who daisy ridley is but i do know who who adam driver is and i do know who john boyega is and and oscar isaac and lupita nyong'o and like all these people that are really good actors and actresses whether you know their name whether their household names or not i don't care they're they're great for uh they're great on screen so I think we're going to get good acting out of this. And boy, did we, and look, the writing for the characters is fantastic. Um, there's some, I think there's some, some little plot stuff that could be cleaned up a little bit, but from the character development and the dialogue standpoint, this is easily the best of the star Wars films, I think. And on, on those, those levels. And you can go down the list of all the new actors to this franchise who get a lot of screen time. And, I don't have an issue, not one issue with one minute <laughs> of anything that's that's happening. You know, I, I thought I'm a I really enjoy Boyega. I thought he was great in Attack the Block and uh, the other couple of things that I've seen him do. I was worried at the very outset that he was going to feel a little bit off for this franchise, but instead they kind of it's like JJ adapted the franchise to fit him a little bit in the moments that he's on screen. I thought he was, he was great. I love Oscar Isaac and I'm, I'm so like we got in the car and, and uh, with Jason and, and uh, my other friend Daniel and neither one of them had ever seen Oscar Isaac in a movie uh, of any, you know, caliber. And I was just like, I I feel like that's a guy who is going to come out of this and people are going to say, man, that guy was awesome. And he's really not in the movie that much, but I really enjoyed him. I wonder what else he's done. It's amazing how non famous Oscar Isaac is. I know how great his roles have been the past three years. Like nobody's been paying attention to this guy. Yeah, absolutely. But he's obviously, you know, in star Wars now. So he's going to, going to blow up, but well-deserved. Yeah. Him, totally. Dom, him, Dom Hall Gleason too, as well. Yeah. who was in this? Oh, Gleason was so good. Yeah, yeah. It, who's having a better year? Uh, Dom Hall Gleason, who has this, The Revenant, and Ex Machina, or um, Tom Hardy, who has Legend, The Revenant, and Mad Max. 
It's pretty yeah. tough to call. It's, tough. it's pretty good years for both of those yeah. guys, but yeah. Uh, but Dom Hall was was great in this. So. Totally, he was he was excellent. Adam Driver is great. I'm such a huge fan of that guy, and I've seen so little of his work uh, because he hasn't really done much. But man, he's he's so good. And uh, Richard already touched on it, so I won't go too far in depth. But um, Daisy Ridley is is a star, and she was so she's so well cast. Her character is so well written. Um, I thought she had she was just bursting with charisma um, and hit. I think that's the the character that has the most Adam Drivers does too to a degree, but Ray I think especially has the most range of emotions that she has to go through throughout mm-hmm. the course of this, and she nailed it on every single one. I was thoroughly impressed with with her, and it's so cool to see this franchise really. I mean, they're really setting it up to hand this entire franchise over to. Uh, I don't know how old she is. Probably twenty. I mean, she's she's like twenty three. I think she's. Yeah. Okay, she's 23 years old. She has not done any she's, movies. This is her really. first movie, yeah. She is fantastic. And and she's a girl. Like, that's such a different thing than what we typically get in blockbuster sort of films. That's just such against uh, the, the protocol. What you believe. Yeah, no, I yeah, yeah, definitely against my beliefs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, I th- anyway, I, I think there's a lot of actors who are going to be household names because of this franchise now. And I think she's the one who... She may not ever get another another gig after this because she may be so uh, identifiable as as Ray moving forward. But anyway, she was she was fantastic. All of these people were. And were she so it doesn't cool. hurt that she looks identical to Natalie Portman and. Uh, it, but with charisma. <laughs> no, but I mean it's the same bloodline we're talking here. So. Do you think so? Yeah. Isn't that obvious? Isn't that made obvious? I don't think we know anything about her. Yeah. I think there's lots of thought of what she might be and they were laying down some breadcrumbs but i don't i don't know that you can definitively say that she is this or that at this point (laughs) the the actual seed of the idea is is so interesting disney bought star wars and kathleen kennedy and and george lucas who have been you know worked together kathleen kennedy the producer of star wars and now the president of lucasfilm since uh since they sold it to disney you know, I'd work together, you know, wanted to find the right director, you know, and to think that Star Wars would ever exist again without George involved is yeah. is unbelievable, too, mm-hmm. <laughs> because he was such an egomaniac during the prequel era. And after that and all the the Blu-ray sets and the DVD sets and all the crap he kept releasing just to make money, it was getting so old and and we were all sick of Lucas, but he was so into Star Wars and and. You know, he got married in his later years, and I think that really kind of clarified his mind. And like, you know what, I'm I'm done with this. You know, I I have a different life now. I can I can move on from this. And they they wanted to find the right director, and they approached JJ at the beginning, and JJ said no. You know, he's like, right. I have other things to do. I don't want to. You know, I've done. I just got done doing Into Darkness, which was a sequel. I don't want to be the sequel guy. I don't want to be the sci-fi reboot guy. You know, there was twenty reasons he said no, mm-hmm. and um. Took another meeting with her, and uh, and they said at the, at that meeting they actually just started talking about what it could be, and and the seed of the idea was a girl asking somebody who is Luke Skywalker, and that was the entire movie right there. And he said as soon as he heard that, he had the movie in his head, and wow. like he said he couldn't. As soon as he was, you know, he was driving home and everything, he like couldn't get it out of his mind. Like he knew then this was the movie he had to make, and. 
it, it's really kind of like you said, Brian, with um, with Lucas, is that he he found I think he found the girl, you know, like he had yeah. this girl in his mind the entire time, and he found her, you know. It took mm-hmm. I don't you know every freaking actor and actress in Hollywood read for Star Wars. I yeah. guarantee every single one that's oh, uh, right. of, a, of of you know of age of the characters and they found some waitress in London, you know, that submitted like a YouTube video, you know, basically no joke. And, uh, and, you know, fate, uh, there's a lot in this movie about fate and like your destiny and the universe and things like that. And that, man, Mm -hmm. I, I fully believe that she was born to be in this movie and, and, uh, she, she just hits every note and just plays off the other actors so well. It's like, she's, she's such a seasoned, ensembleist or something i don't know yeah. like the 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 chemistry between the characters between finn and ray and han and it's just so palpable and bb8 even you know mm-hmm. it's just it yeah. feels like star wars the original cast it feels like luke and leia you know and han and on the whole gang together again and and you know i was worried guys uh that they would that they would cling i think we were all worried before this movie that they would cling on to the old cast that this would be harrison ford stars in star wars and it mm-hmm. would be han solo with you know some some new characters here and there and it would be han and luke back together again and they would go on a new adventure you know or whatever and uh i gotta say i would have loved this movie if there was no han no leia no luke none of that at all in this movie uh, they, you know, we don't even get introduced to, to them or see them until maybe 40 minutes in. Mm-hmm. And I was loving every minute of it. And it almost like, I almost forgot like, Oh, they're in this movie too. You know, right. like, this isn't just a new star Wars this is like, this is a continuation of the old ones. Like it felt, right. Right. It felt like such a natural progression from the previous films and such, so refreshing. And it's like the prequels we wanted. It felt yes. like, you know, does yeah. that make sense? Uh, yeah. That was one of the things I said coming out. Uh, was just that that made me hate the prequels even more because right. yeah, this is, it's just a further example of like, man, what could have been, what could have been if we'd had the right people in place. But how do we, how do you feel like they, first of all, introduce the characters? I thought, man, I really thought this would be music swelly. Like the first time we see, see the uh, millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. that it would be like this huge, boom, 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 boom. This yeah. swooping camera over it and like showing every detail you know, like this. It was just right. so, so great the way they did it. And yeah. they just kind of turn their heads and there it is, you know, and it's. Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to one of my big points with like, I don't know, that I say all the time is you have to trust that the audience is knows, knows what it knows what it is. Yeah. Knows what, and that's the, on my last viewing of Return of the Jedi. That's what I thought. It's just like they don't spend time introducing like here's Han again, here's Luke again, you know, because we know the characters because right. we, we've seen the other movies. So you just right. kind of continue the story, you know, you don't have to reintroduce everything and make it, I don't know. Yeah. I felt like every callback to the original trilogy was going to be like that, but it wasn't. And there were some moments like the, the, the Millennium Falcon moment got some applause yeah. in, in the theater. And that was the uh, first time we'd seen it on screen in you know, 30 something years. So that was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the line that they said, you know, piece of garbage or whatever, that was that was pretty funny too. A callback to the original film. Yeah. Uh, Richard, how did you feel like they handled the Han, the whole I guess original cast uh, involvement here? So we're in spoiler territory. Yeah, go ahead. So um, I thought it was handled very well. You know, everyone uh, Han and Chewie get there fifteen minutes, and then 
they bring in Leia, you know, and then they bring in, you know, there's little kind of swooping cameos here and there, you know, 3PO and, and R2 kind of are saved towards the end. And then all, obviously the ultimate kind of cameo is at the very end. And, and when that, Jar Jar shows That's up, Jar Jar. Right? Yeah, exactly. When Jar Jar <laughs> emerges from the sea on that island and says, I've been living with Luxa. Um, and Luke's just great. hung himself. Just... <laughs> what if that whole movie had taken place and you're just so amped and then she goes to that <laughs> island and there's a guy in a robe and it turns around to Jar Jar. Which oh, you would have kind of right? Like you would have laughed. <laughs> yeah, the and then we... $300 million practical joke. <laughs> and he's just like, F you, we're not making any more of these. <laughs> you oh. guys are all idiots, yeah. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter dot com slash mad one more time try it for free go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad thanks to ziprecruiter for supporting this episode of the mad about movies podcast um anyway sorry uh this is why i can never have money because he's type <laughs> uh, <laughs> i thought that was handled really well and they you know the, the biggest complaint one can make about this movie is that it is in so many ways such a remake of of a new hope mm-hmm. you know and with with han kind of playing that obi-wan part down to uh you know a lot of it but that's fine because it's a great film so let's yeah let's kind of you know let's add some things add some character depth add some great effects some some story nuance some more action pieces things like that it's great i yeah. mean it's so much fun and you're right. The The best thing you can say about Ridley and Boyega and uh, Oscar Isaac, but th- he doesn't necessarily have this kind of immediate interaction, is that Boyega and, and Ridley are on screen with Harrison freaking Ford mm-hmm. playing Han freaking solo, and they right. fit in perfectly freaking fine. Yeah, Like, definitely. that's about as good of a screen compliment as, as one can be. Totally. Aside from, like, you know, being sharing and owning the stage with Jay Daniel Atlas or somebody like that. But like, <laughs> but seriously, like that's, yeah. they fit in fine. Like the, the, the compliment to a, the new cast that they fit in and then to the old cast mm-hmm. for really kind of, I mean, have we seen Harrison Ford try this hard in 20 years? No, no. Yeah. They, yeah. It's some, somewhere along the line. And I may have said this before. Somebody got a hold of him and, and said, look, man, you're on solo. You're Han Solo. You you don't have to make freaking firewall with Paul Bettany. Like mm-hmm. just knock it off. And we all love curmudgeon Harrison Ford. We don't love total jerk Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. find the pro- find the proper balance on that and everyone w- will I mean you know people worship him. Really. And and so just just do that, you know. Don't don't take it this far. Take yeah. it this far, and 
I I think that that is in full effect at this moment. Like his entire last, I don't know, half decade has been that sort of run where you're just it's always fun when he shows up, and that really wasn't the case for a while for yeah. for a good fifteen or twenty years. Yeah, absolutely. the The humor that they the, the writing for Han was great and perfect. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan. Thanks for coming back because yeah. I'm sure he had a lot to do with it. He, he is the voice of Han. He, you mm-hmm. know, you know, uh, for Empire, I guess, when Han was most notoriously Han was all Larry Kasdan. I was kind of confused when they first meet Han because they kind of, you know, the, the Millennium Falcon kind of gets, I guess, sucked into another ship's uh, tractor beam or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess. Why was Han on that other – was that his other ship or I guess yeah, we don't – yeah. that's kind of left unknown at this point. That yeah, that's what he's using at this point because he doesn't he's have looking the for the Falcon, yeah. yeah. That's the, why he throws that line and it's like you think you found us by accident. You know, they've been scanning. Right, for, right. The, the reveal of the Falcon was great and – Totally. The, the scene of, of Ray and Finn driving the Falcon through Jakku, uh, trying oh, to escape the TIE fighters, was so great. Amazing. It was it was one of the best, I don't know, yeah, aerial, chase. aerial fight chase yeah. scenes ever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and the fact yeah. that it took place. When Michael Caine went down the stairs in it, that was the. <laughs> the fact that it took place, A, in the daytime and B, on a planet yeah. and not in space was, right. you know, yeah. really cool. Uh, you know, we don't we don't we haven't seen that much in Star Wars at all. We see, you know, the. The Millennium Falcon would enter and exit Tatooine at times, and that's right. really we get that. But we never really got full out battles of Tie Fighters on on right. those planets, and that was really really cool to see. And what a great character building uh, mm-hmm. segment too. That because I guess it kind of establishes Finn as sort of the Luke Skywalker character, the young farm boy, or you know he he it definitely sits in Luke's seat while he's on the uh, Falcon, you know, in the same gunner position, and very mm-hmm. reminiscent of the original trilogy. And when they're calling back to each other, Han and and Luke, and uh, and it also establishes Ray as son of this this tech genius girl as she's repairing the ship in various ways, and also this kind of Jedi you know pilot like Anakin was, and like uh, in the previous films we've we've seen Jedi people be very skilled pilots in the past. So mm-hmm. maybe Poe Dameron could be could be Jedi someday. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling I'm calling potential Jedi on on Poe Dameron, <laughs> but anyway, you know. I, I thought I thought the setup as well as the uh, of her scavenging at the beginning and looking mm-hmm. for parts mm-hmm. was That's a really a cool scene. touch and and a really you know great setting actually inside a crash star destroyer that was a yes yeah it seems like it just came straight out of a piece of concept art like that whole scene and setting mm-hmm. like yeah somebody is like here draw me you know concepts for what you think a new stars would look like and somebody would dr- would have drawn you know a crash right. star destroyer in the desert like boom there you yeah. go yeah that's, that's it's great. That's part of what makes Star Wars so great and is because it's we don't I don't necessarily need like massive exposition on what what the setting is or what the environment is, you know. I just if you just make it so if you make it interesting, if you make it to where it's kind of uh it's mysterious and it's magical, you know, like I know as a kid like I spent a lot of time thinking about um what Dagobah is like and what tattoo you know all these settings and I never really you know you don't ever get an answer to that and that's okay that's part of the charm of mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't know it engages your imagination and I think that's totally lacking from the prequels and this is just right off the bat that that's the setting on Jakku with the the Star Destroyers and the X-Wing and the TIE Fighters and obviously like some great battle took place here that is such a cool place and I 
I think in the prequels, or maybe just if if Lucas is still in charge or something, I, that so easily you could get so bogged down in exposition about the, what happened here, and it yeah. just I don't need that. I and and it takes away the, the the thrill of it and the magic of it. Just let it be. And I I mean that's something that JJ I think he does quite quite well here, and and that's something that he hasn't done perfectly in the past. You know, he gets kind of caught up in in the mystery box of his own scripts at times. And this was one example where it was like, nope, I'm not going to fall into that trap anymore. You know, speaking of Jakku, we, after we see Ray get her, you know, sca- scavenge some supplies or salvage some supplies from this old star destroyer. She goes mm-hmm. into town to sell them very small amount of money. We get a hint that she's not very well off. Yeah. You know, a very easy yeah. way to do that is by showing somebody eating, you know, I guess instant soup or whatever it was, like yeah, a cool basically. little like yeah, biscuit, pop up bread, pop up, yeah. pop up bread or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the uh, the first order attacks the village she lives in, mm-hmm. looking for BB-8 or the key or map. And man, this is the first Star Wars film where the stormtroopers and the Imperials have felt like militaristic. It just yeah. felt so intimidating and like something was actually going down when these stormtroopers. Stormed super off. Nazi speech on the uh, destroyer. Yes. The, well, I'm talking the, about the, the first scene of the movie when, no, they, when they storm off the ships like it's Normandy. You know, it's just mm. it's crazy, ener- energetic and like scary. And this is the first time that stormtroopers have meant something. And, you know, obviously they show blood and, and everything here with the stormtroopers uh, dying or Poe shooting one down, at, which was Finn's friend. And uh, I thought that was a great setup to, sh- to start with Poe. And then to transition to Finn that way and from Finn to Ray, it was just great screenwriting. It was just a great it, – it didn't jump around too much like the prequels did between different planets and different settings. It just – it all flowed so well yeah. and it all felt like one cohesive story. Like they weren't trying to tell five different stories at once, which we've seen uh, done in previous Star Wars films. But th- mm-hmm. let's talk Kylo Ren now. I was so blown away by how – well the villain was done in this yeah. and the scene with kylo getting the news about the droid and yeah. going to town with the lightsaber on the console <laughs> was yeah. unbelievably awesome and terrifying yeah. i was just i would i my jaw dropped at that moment it, it was the most bone chilling moment i've had in the movies and years i mean it was just it was incredible and the way the camera just stays still the whole time doesn't move around doesn't show his face it's just blur of him just going crazy with the lightsaber and it shows the guy you know the officer that delivers the news and sparks are flying at him and everything and he's terrified you know i'm sure the audition process for that role was was pretty fun <laughs> here we're gonna throw crap at you just look terrified but they picked the right role because he did a great job but right yeah. i mean that one little 42nd mo- moment in the movie just made mm-hmm. so much of a difference. And what Adam driver, it, you know, played it, played it great, but man, what a great look of a character. I want to, I want to know how they arrived at the look of Kylo Ren because it's scary. It's, it's, uh, I found myself more scared than Darth. I always felt Darth Vader just kind of cheesy and whew, the whole breathing thing. I just, I don't know. It didn't, it, it felt kind of tacked on and this felt, I don't know. This felt like he was seriously psychotic. It was like the Joker in in the dark, a dark night. You know, mm-hmm. you just felt like he really 
had problems like mental issues and and things. And of course we find out his history. What did we think about his history? That surprised me a little bit. The origin of Kylo Ren. Yeah. So there was very surprising. So much. There are so many fan theories out there about what, who Kylo Ren was. And, and I mean, it seemed like it was pretty apparent that he is he's attached to somebody from the original trilogy in some way or another. I think I think everybody knew that. Even, you know, me, I I tried really hard to avoid uh spoilers, but also just fan theories in general because I didn't want somebody to get it right and me feel like, gosh, that got ruined for me, you know. Um but I, most people it seemed like thought that he was either going to turn out to be Luke himself or Luke's offspring, I think was the general consensus. Yeah. So I think the the reveal again we are in full on spoilers the reveal that he is Luke and Leia's son Han and Leia. Hey, what did I say? Luke <laughs> got weird, huh? Yeah, well, that uh, explains why he's messed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that he's Han. He's got Leia. a tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, webbed feet. It's weird. Uh, anyway, he's, he's lethal in the water. So <laughs> <laughs> that he's Han and Leia's kid. A obviously it, it kind of brings the attachment between the old school, the old characters and the new characters, you know, kind of full circle, but also I think more than anything. And again, it's another example. I think of JJ learning from past mistakes. Um, I like when we got the reveal on that because it didn't feel like, I think if it had gone another, you know, 20 or 30 or, or an hour, um, you it get was to, weird when it was Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was you, a little much. You, you get to a point of diminishing returns or you get to a point where it straight up feels like, okay, he just ripped off Empire Strikes Back, you know? But the way that it's revealed, it really catches you off guard and, you know, kind of spins you on your, you know, on your axis, I guess, to towards the next crazy plot point. Um, and that's something, again, I think it's something that he learned from because that's not how Into Darkness is, Star Trek is at all. It's, it's he held yeah. the reveal on, on Cumberbatch's character way too long and did it in a way that, was you know probably not appropriate for for the film and this one just bam here it is this kid is this is Han and Leia's kid and you're like whoa and then you start to see the ramifications yeah and and it also it tells us history about Luke and because Han tells us that right. Kylo Ren was being a trained by Luke basically and that he turned yeah. against that he the, went all in yeah Revenge of the Sith yeah so man what a what a great villain. And uh, we are, again, for the fourth time in full-on spoiler territory right now. I'm not going to say it again. I'm going to spoil the crap out of this movie for the next 40, 30 minutes here. So turn it off. Um, they leave it ambiguous as to whether he dies at the end. which yeah, is, totally, I think he's totally good. He's, I think he's, he's totally coming back, which I was scared. I was like, please, JJ, don't yeah, you don't freaking, Darth Maul this. Don't yeah. you freaking Darth Maul the, this yeah. movie. I will <laughs> because man, I, I can't wait to see where they go with that plot yeah. line and that uh that character. And mm-hmm. man, the first order, the Imper- the it's never been cooler. The coolest yeah. part of Star Wars was the stormtroopers and Darth Vader and all that mm-hmm. and the Death Star. But man, ten times cooler this time around. I'm not even kidding. It's just so cool. They like I said, I want to know how they arrived at these designs because they're so different yet so Star Warsy. You know, yeah. it just felt it didn't feel like a rip off of Darth Vader. Like like you know, sort of like an maybe an Adat driver would be a rip off of a stormtrooper. Just a, you know, a progression of a stormtrooper. 
the Kylo Ren mask and, and sort of the other – the flame troopers and things like that just felt so new and inspired. But yeah. I don't know. The, the stormtroopers look great too. I love the First Order yeah. troopers. Yeah, I think – I think they do with like little bits of dialogue about you know how he could get clones to do it. But right. his men are higher trained and the way they use the stormtroopers is super innovative. Yeah. I think that the – the design on the trooper and Kylo Ren and, and the technology and stuff, I think that's just kind of like a microcosm of the whole thing because you're – I'm looking at reviews right now on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes and and it's very similar to Creed. Again, of like some people just can't handle the fact that it it's so – it's tied so closely to the original films that they just feel like, well, they're always doing is remaking and I, I just don't – I don't get that – I don't get that at all. I think it's a reimagining almost and a progression yeah. and that's what you oh. want, you know. I think that's what I want anyway. I want something that has a close tie both in content and quality to this thing that I love so much, you know. Like that's and I, I think the like what you're saying, Kent, the the armor and the stormtroopers with just a slight change here and there to their to their look and uh, the progression from Darth Vader's mask to Kylo Ren, and I, I love the fact, I love the fact that Kylo Ren, because we're in this, because of who Kylo Ren is and his this uh, wrestling with his identity, um, I love that he wears this mask even though he doesn't need. Yeah, know, it's just a like, sick, sick tribute to yes, Darth exactly. Vader, and the and fact that he changes such his voice a cool too. Plot yeah. Point. yeah. Oh, I, I thought that was really cool and really telling of what we're what i think we can expect to get from from that character and the franchise the, man forward. the this it's in the trailer but the scene of i will finish what you started is just yeah. so uh i don't know that's just everything you'd want it want it for as far as motivation and a villain it's like yeah. that's all you need it's just like somebody who thought darth vader was really cool and wants yeah. to be like as yeah. evil as darth vader that's basically <laughs> kylo ren you know and that's that's fine with me yeah i mean he has family issues we've seen and that plays into here but from now on i don't know how much the family issues will play into it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and we should go further into spoilers now which we will brian you okay i'm i'm hanging in man are I'm you here. hanging in are you sure I'm- I'm You're super sure. hanging in. I don't, oh, I'm good. A few more things I want to hit on before we hit on the big, big it, spoilers. Okay, yeah, because that's the big spoilers that I'm worried about Brian on. Yeah, we will talk about it. Kylo Ren freezing the blaster blast in so the beginning. Cool. That was such a cool sequence. That was yes. so neat. And, and, you know, even in the prequels, we, we always wondered, when are we going to see the true power of the Force? What else can the Force do? And I think sure. this job... I mean, I think this movie uh, did a great job of showing us the true power of the Force, and and Kylo really has taken his powers to the next level. Uh, mm-hmm. We we haven't seen any of that in previous films, and uh, the way he makes people's heads heads hurt from like the inside and things it yeah. was it was truly crazy. And uh, the I don't know the CGI on all that is just so honed in now, and it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. it's just mind mind boggling uh, how far they've come, but. One of the other cool reveals was Ray actually in her introduction when she's she has left the uh, she has left the Star Destroyer and she's sort of going back home and they show her I guess eating food or something and they zoom out and it's a downed at at in a, in the desert. I thought yes. that was a really cool reveal too. I would have been livid if that was in the trailer and that was and I yeah. spoiled that because that was a moment that easily could have been in the trailer and gotten every fanboy just going nuts it's absolutely crazy but that was 
it really and it shows you that I guess adats drive on the sand too, and not only the snow, which was previously only we only saw them in the snow in Hoth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was neat too. Uh, yeah, we, I thought that was suggesting like a weather change at first, and then I, or climate change on that planet. Like I think it just implied but, for me, yeah. yeah, it's just the scope of the empire. No, you're right. Yeah, totally. And they do use the signature Star Wars wipes here between scenes, yes. which, which yep. I appreciated as well. And I had mm-hmm. a discussion with my roommate uh, this past week when we were revisiting the old films. A, it's cool. I, I always, I ne- it never bothered me at all. I've always yeah. enjoyed them. And B, if JJ doesn't do it, he's going to get ten million questions asking him why he didn't do it. Yeah, and, if and he we thought that say- it's bad filmmaking technique or whatever he his reason was. Yeah. But, so we we the the scene of them breaking out of the. Of the Star Destroyer, when Finn breaks Poe out of the Star Destroyer and asks if he can fly a Tie Fighter, and they go and steal the Tie Fighter, that was great, 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 scene. Se- great sequence. Yeah. Just them fighting to get out when they when they were still tied down to it, and the stormtroopers were firing at him, they were firing back. That was cool. We've never seen the inside of it, like the inner workings of a Tie Fighter before. Something yeah. I've always wanted to see. So we get, so we see how they work. There are two people in there. We never nearly knew that before. I don't think. Yeah, that was cool. And uh, so they crash on. On Jakku, but does the Brian? I was wondering, does the the Tie Fighter get eaten by the Sarlacc monster or something? <laughs> no, I think that's what they're they, implying there. He mentioned, yeah, they yeah, mentioned sh- earlier that this is, there's like a sinking sand. Okay, out. like she says to BB-8, "Don't yeah, go be over careful, there yeah. because the sand will swallow you." Basically, okay. I had that same I, thought. I thought it was about, the Sarlacc, the and then I realized this isn't Tatooine, so I don't know if I don't know how how far spread Sarlaccs are, but. I thought that was a uh, a good setup, though it was made for made yes. for a good effect. Like I said, the meeting between uh, Finn and Ray is great. The some of the humor between them is is good too. You know, when they first discover the Millennium Falcon, and she's repairing the ship, and she's asking him for all the different kinds of tools and things like that. It was a good, great back and forth there. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, when she gets hurt, and she <laughs> and Finn's like, "Are you okay?" and she's like yeah i'm like yeah. right here in front of you You know it just gives him that like look yeah. like yeah i'm okay like obviously i'm talking to you i'm okay you know and uh man they, they the chemistry tell, man the chemistry the chemistry between- was great but also you can tell that they sat down and like fleshed these scenes out they didn't yeah definitely. just what jj said beforehand he, he said just because a scene is set on the millennium falcon doesn't make it a good scene and i 100 percent believe that's, that's they, they took that 100 percent serious with this because you know, every dialogue is either a humorous or b informative, and especially on the Falcon, we get we get funny scenes, we get an action scene, but we also get the pointer scene with when Han they show the map and Han's telling them about the the Force and you know and the Jedi and all how it's all true that that scene as well, and uh, we get a kind of a, an action scene with those big monsters that Han has kind of been keeping when the stormtroopers storm the storm mm-hmm. the ship and they have to escape them. I thought that was a great setup as well. Um, almost every action scene was the execution was, it felt like the original star Wars like, Oh man, we're going to get, we're going to get a cantina scene and then we're going to get, you know, flying through asteroid field and then we're going to get a, a garbage, uh, you know, whatever compactor scene. I mean, they all <laughs> felt they're so memorable. They're all yeah. so daggum signature and memorable. And I felt the same way about this, but I will admit the line that Han throws out about the garbage, disposal uh i was that was an eye roll for me i could have done without that that was one too many references to the old thing like just I, trying to get a rise out of people i i 
I, I that was the one. I started where I was like, oh. to eye roll. I started to eye roll, and then Finn's like, yeah, like his enthusiastic yeah, there is really it, it, for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, I'm back. It brought something, me back before I could get into the eye roll. Something I also loved about this, I mean, was was just, I mean, we knew Han was like a, a scavenger and you know just a rebel and and was you know a smuggler and all that, but we 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 find out in this movie that. He's just he screwed a lot of people over. Yeah, he's a con man. He's, he's a just, con man. Yeah. He's a human trafficker yeah. too. Yeah. Like like, <laughs> like, he owes everyone a money on I I mean you you think they make it seem in the old ones like he's got a you know a few little ties up here and there, you know, a few little imperial in, entanglements if as as Obi-Wan would say it. But I mean nothing huge, but this it's just like everybody's like, "Oh, that guy. Han Solo, you know, like when uh, Mos Katana says his name in the little cantina thing." Uh, and everyone turns around like this guy, you know, I love that. Right, right. And, uh, when, the, when Han gets captured and they're like, man, you screwed me over. Yeah. You screwed me over too twice. And then they just panda chewy and he's like, yep, you did. Yep. You did. It's <laughs> on <whatever>. you, buddy. <laughs> oh, that was good. But, uh, speaking of Han, Brian, um, what did you a expect this or B? how do you feel about it? Um, I we should thought, say, yeah, just say what happens first, I guess. So. Yeah, so we get towards it. First of all, Han is incredible in this film. Like, you, Also, one more Han line I have to throw in before we talk about the end is, uh, oh, my gosh, you're Han Solo. The, the Millennium Falcon did the Kessel Run yeah, in 14 yeah. parsecs. It was 12 parsecs. Right. Yes. So proud of that record. Uh, it was, that was funny, too. So yeah. go ahead. He, he did Harrison Ford. Han Solo is one of the, I don't know, five or ten – I think most iconic uh, yeah. film characters in American cinema history, maybe, maybe number one. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Sonny Weaver. Won, probably. <laughs> oh man. Um, the cup too. <laughs> got to get the cup reference in somehow. Got to, got to make sure that's there. Um, wasn't in force awakens. I guess he'll be in the rain Johnson. One. Yeah, definitely. During like on episode 200, maybe we need to, tell everybody what we're actually talking about. Cause we've gotten a lot of emails and tweets lately of like, what are you even talking about on this? So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll get to that someday. So, uh, I, Han was so good in this movie. He, the, the way in which they kind of amped up his snarky old man bits was awesome. And you get this great feel for what an outlaw he still is, despite being old and curmudgeonly. And I, I thought that he was, uh, I thought that the you the way that that JJ and company used Han was was absolutely perfect, and it goes right on down to to his final scene, which I'm assuming everybody's seen it. So again, here we go. But he confronts his son and uh, and and dies for it, and it that hurt me, guys. It hurt me. <laughs> like it was rough. Um, but. But it's what it's what the story kind of dictated, I think. You know, I I don't like when characters, especially beloved characters like Han, I don't like when they die uh, needlessly or for, you know, just for shock value or something like that. But I, I'm, you know, you guys correct me if you if you think I'm wrong, but I thought that that was the fitting way for that to go. And I, you know, yeah. th those two ended up on that bridge and, and I had a moment of Greedo shot at it first. <laughs> you shut your mouth. Um, <laughs> that was funny. I did not see that coming. Great. Touche. Um, man, so finally got his revenge. He was just on the top later. of the bridge. Just like, <laughs> just sniping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. But as the, you know, as he, as that moment approaches, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely was like, oh, like I started, I started looking at my, at my friends that are sitting next to me. I'm like, oh crap, like this is, this is going to happen. Han's about to die. He's, this is about to die. And, um, it's brutal. It's tough to kill any character that, that people care about, but especially one that is as beloved as Han is. But again, you, I don't know. I, I go back to literary references, but you have to, uh, if you're writing a book, especially an epic book like this or a series of books, as this has turned into, you know, movie wise, uh, you you can't you can't always just plot out what you want to happen. Sometimes you have to allow for if these two characters get into a room together or on a bridge together. In this example, what would happen? And that's what would happen. And I thought that that was so well executed, and it was a um, it was a worthy death in a way that's that's another one of my things that always drives me crazy is like you can't just kill off a character yeah. just to kill off a character it has to be done the he right gets way. killed jaywalking you know <laughs> yeah yeah. Murp, yeah. Murp. or like off yeah. screen you know or something like yeah. that where you're like wait a second you know that's not so it was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it just that ran the i ran the gamut of emotions there i thought it was fitting but i also don't you know i'm not happy that one of the greatest characters of all time is no longer a part of my favorite. Is he though? He could have lived. Oh, I mean, there's always ways in sci-fi that no. you could, no, you could make. Know, it happen, but they make it pretty clear. He yeah. He's, he's dead. And, um, I thought it was, it was heartbreaking and touching at the same time. And, uh, and really was fitting. I gotta be honest though. I, right before that happened, I was, I had a moment of dread that Chewbacca was going to die. And I, I think that might have broken me up more than, than hot if i'm being because i chewbacca is my favorite character from star wars movies and um that i i as we were driving away i told jason i was like if that would have happened that would have been like all of the dogs in every movie ever dying he does, he does get time. he does get injured they kind of yeah he like does he's... and i was like whoa 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 yeah. hold up you <laughs> guys are taking it too far here um but instead you know it's it's han and i think that was more fitting for the story and it was really cool to see, uh, going even further to see Ray step into those shoes, and now Chewie is her co-pilot and all that sort of. I thought that was a really um, touching. Yeah, she's and, like this half Luke, half Han. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Uh, character, it's interesting. She, yeah, she is, and she's kind of a half Luke, half Han, half Leia. I mean, honestly, yeah. she's the she's <laughs> yeah. the female. But we, I, I think 
Poe Dameron's going to be the Han and the new, like the snarky yeah, yeah. guy. I mean, by the way, would totally watch. I would watch him and Finn they, movie together if they were just like I don't know, getting coffee, just buddy cop. Yeah. Yes, I I thought that their chemistry was awesome and so funny. Like good. that first interaction of I'm going to do the right thing and. No, you need a pilot. Yep, I need a pilot. I thought that's kind of set the tone and yeah. then the whole thing in the inside the, the TIE fighter. They were awesome together. Uh, would totally love to see more of that, I think. What did we think of the – man, it's just so much – there's so much full circle in Star Wars and in, in the previous films in this. You know, there's so many – it rhymes. It's like poetry, as George would say. <laughs> that's the uh, way The The whole father – I mean the whole son killing your father – yeah. Um, callback is yeah. as obvious here with Kyle. Do you think when he on. saw this happen, when George got it screened for him two weeks ago, whatever, and Han Solo dies, he think he pulled up. That's not what happened. And George is <laughs> like, no, it it happened. Like, but that's not, but that's not how it happened. That's not how it happened, though. I love someone sent us a meme. <laughs> yeah, and that we Braden, need to get that yeah. meme started. Braden Garcia is the guy's name. Thank you. Shout out to Braden Garcia. I'm looking at it right now. By the way, if you are listening, we have a list of people we've got to shout out for their generous donations and email. It's just been doing these Star Wars episodes. It's been crazy. So we'll we'll rock that here soon. I promise. A couple other things to hit on here. Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. What did we think about that? I was really kind of interested when they first showed him, but the reveal that he was a hologram loved that. I did too. Because I, I was I, like, is this guy giant? Would they really do exact, that? Yes. Yeah, exact, exact they, 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 thought they, of it was like, a little bit of like Green Lantern-y at first. So yes, like, totally. Like, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm totally with you, Ken. I had a, I, that was one moment where I was like, I don't really care for the way that we're taking this because I don't want – this giant doesn't really make sense. And then then he turns into a hologram. Like, oh, okay. Makes sense. Now it would be it totally they wanna, they, yeah. He wants to be uh, you know, yeah. bigger and over everybody. So giant hologram. Man, cool touch. That was very cool. Very well thought out. Well, and it, the way it put it ties into Kylo Ren's whole thing, the whole the whole bit that he has going, because you very much it's not just an impression. I think it's very it's pretty much stated that he is certainly not a as as great of a villain as he is. He has not come close to reaching his full potential or his full power or whatever, and that is made very clear. And I think that's a really cool concept that we may be we may be on the like the tip of the iceberg of what this guy is capable of. We we absolutely definitely are. are. We're we, we're definitely with there with Ray. So what you know, I, I'm very interested on that stuff. For sure. Captain Phasma? Disappointment. Disappointment. I, I, I just I, I think I said you know, this is uh this is the first in the new you're basically asking JJ to start an entire franchise with one film and so you have to populate that universe and so I think I think we'll get much more of Phasma moving forward, but she's like one of the two or three most popular characters. I think we'll see. A, I think we'll see a big arc for Phasma. Yeah, I, I definitely think we will. Yeah. But this movie on its own, yeah. she's not. You, she like never Boba fires Fett. a shot. She's very yeah. underutilized, and uh, I was a little. That was one of the few places where I was kind of a little bit disappointed. I that. think so too. And interesting fact uh, was going to be Benedict Cumberbatch, Captain Phasma. Wow. Would have been an interesting uh, casting choice there. Yeah. Or I would have liked to see Benedict in the uh, General Hux role. Yeah, that could have been, been fun too. Would have been would yeah. have been uh, interesting to see. By the way, how how much would you pay to see a, a Han, the Han Solo origin film star Oscar Isaac as Han Solo? Would love or, that. Yeah, hundred percent. Freaking in. can't do it now, but I know. God. Suit, 
How just perfect do it would anyway. it be? Just, just, it's fine. Do it anyway. It's, it's okay. Uh, we can. Uh, <laughs> we have any other, any other thoughts? How did, how did they use Leia? Um, I think they used her perfectly because you know everyone knows you gotta you can't just let Carrie Fisher do what she wants to do because <laughs> yeah. she's gonna go crazy. I mean, she had like she has like four lines or something in this movie, yeah. and or, you know you know those those scenes took forever to shoot. Yeah, I hope they said at the end when they knew they had it in the can, they let her do a fun one just for the crew. <laughs> like here, take a shot of Jameson and do a fun one. Right, Carrie. Just so full of f bombs. Gosh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. Not the but fun yeah. I really offended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I thought you're right, Ken. I thought they used her very well, and I think you'll see more of her in the next film. Well, you, the big climactic battle, we should hit on that. Uh, it's Kylo Ren versus Finn, then versus Rey with lightsaber. And, awesome. Uh, man, the lightsaber has so much power now, yeah. And, yeah. and it's so much more analog than it's ever been. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes, yeah. and at the, and that's obvious. It's very purposefully done, and I love that. Like one of my, I I probably have talked about this before, but in the Lord of the Rings films, to me the best scene in that whole series, and the one that um, I I go back to over and over again is is the scene in which Boromir gets shot down with arrows because that was the you know I'd seen plenty of movies or TV shows where somebody's shooting and because I'm a nerd where somebody's shooting an arrow. Uh, and you're just like, oh, he got shot with an arrow, and now he's dead. Okay, and that was the first time that I, I really got a sense of like, this is kind of a horrible way to die. You're just like, you just got shot with spears eight times, and that that funk that you get um, when they hit. And I, I think that's something that's been missing. Definitely was missing in the prequels, and and probably was missing from the original trilogy too. Of like the real physicality of a laser sword fight, you know, and yes. seeing the steam fly when his, when, uh, Kylo Ren's lightsaber hits the snow and, uh, mm-hmm. like smoke come off of, of jacket when Ray hits him with, I mean, it, that was such a cool touch and something that I didn't necessarily know had been missing from my life prior to this movie, but definitely was like, Oh man, that is a really cool update on that whole sort of thing something i'd really never considered and it was so mind uh you know eye-opening was the possibility of the kylo ren character specifically but other characters in this universe going from sith to jedi like Mm -hmm. like transitioning from bad to good like we've seen the like jedi turn sith we don't really see the redemption of the Sith turn Jedi. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, the and, very and, tail end of Darth, of Darth Vader, but we don't really get any. Right, but that's just like the, a last moment of redemption, not a full. Right, that, that's kind of like okay, you're my son, I love you, kind of moment. Yeah, but the the I mean, Kylo says it in this. You know, I feel the light coming through. He says that. And, you know, Leia says, you know, there's good in our son. I know there is and all that. And I, I just know there's going to be some kind of redemption and yeah. story arc where he could boss possibly be on the other side. And I'm excited for where they take that, too. That's just something I had never thought about uh, for that character would be for him to maybe turn out to be good because you always assume the worst. So what, what else do we have? We should talk about the end. The yeah. final final scene. Real quick, just a quick note back on casting. Uh, yeah. Lupita Nyong'o best yeah. motion capture performance ever. It, it was, was awesome. good. It yeah, it's really good. There. She's great. She says yeah. her boyfriend was Chewbacca. That was kind of weird. Yeah, you know, the, the character funny. was funny. It was a it was a cool, funny character. It was kind yeah. of Yoda ish. Yeah, and uh, and 
you know, she was, she was very good. I want to hit touch on before we hit the final scene, man, BB eight was the coolest thing of all time. Great. I'm not even kidding. That makes the movie almost, it was just so, so great. It's just amazing to me. I've seen these movies hundreds of times and it's still amazing to me how much human emotion that a robot can convey Mm -hmm. with beeps and little head twists. And BB eight took that to, the extreme i think and it was awesome it was such a cool design by the way voice designer uh bill yeah. hater bill hater of us and, fame. yeah bill hater and uh for you richard uh jean ralphio too oh wow really yeah. yeah haters really tight with abrams randomly like uh the the ship commander or the ship like pa voice in star trek is is hater like the it's like the, the it says like uh all systems go all systems go like those kind of voices are all yeah. hater and you'll notice Gosh. that in star trek so that dude is so Easter talented simon, simon Pegg plays a role in this movie i couldn't figure yeah. out what it was he's an alien of some sort okay. like i think somewhere on jacko oh, he's the she, guy he's the guy that uh she sells the the things to it might be him i thought it was like a smaller yeah you're right yeah i think it is i'm looking at the him. thing here yeah he's there uh i just read too daniel craig plays a stormtrooper the the one that, that she rumor turned uh, out to be true yeah. yeah the one that she convinces to let her out of the restraints it, that's, that's, that's Daniel Daniel Craig. oh that makes sense yeah, yeah it's kind that, of funny what do we think about the about just ray learning the four like how would that was she awesome know, how would she was know so the awesome. jedi how would she know the jedi mind trick because the it's myth at this it's point. myth yeah it's myth and lore and legend oh, okay and, okay because yeah. it's in the original trilogy luke sees obi-wan do it in the first one and that's right. why he does it in return of the jedi yeah. to jabba uh, but now she so, knows it because these stories have now been told okay that makes more sense i didn't i, didn't I, catch I think that. that's one of my we haven't really touched on it that's one of my favorite parts of this whole thing is like i got chills that's not because, how the force works that, <laughs> that was great but like when when he when they mention Luke's uh, when Finn mentions Luke Skywalker for the first time and she you know you can see like her she catches her breath and then later the same thing happens when they mention it to Han I love the way that that was brought together of it's such a it's almost meta in a way of like that's how we all feel because we've spent the last thirty years obsessing over Star Wars and then well let's not have, say we okay, okay sorry <laughs> me and Kent um, but. And then that's kind of translated over into these characters. I thought that was such a cool touch, and that was brought home, I think, very well the way that that she just ran, is like, okay, I'm just going to give this a try. This is something I heard that Jedi can do. Maybe that'll work for me. I love hey, that. How do we know it's, that she's uh, in the bloodline, Brian? Go ahead. Tell Mid- me. Midichlorians. Because you can't have the force without midichlorians, which is a Jedi bloodline. So, gosh, they boom. just trampled all over that hardcore, didn't they? They're just like, nope, that never happened. Just, yeah, I was almost waiting for somebody to actually say, "Can you believe we used to think this was about midichlorians or something?" Just to totally, yeah. totally discredit that entire. That would have been, that would have been very funny. But the final reveal, it got to a point, guys. I didn't think Luke was even going to be in the movie. That, I was too. I was all. like, "Oh, so this is why he wasn't in any of the marketing." He yeah, because he was not in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew he was going to show up. I thought it was going to be post credit because I know yeah. he was on like the IMDb. So I was like, "He's going to be in this." Sure, but I thought it was going to be post credit. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. What which did was we awesome. think of the of the? What ending. a gorgeous scene! I thought it was. I thought it was pretty uh, poetic. The you know he got his lightsaber from old Ben. 
and mm-hmm. the new Jedi is kind of giving the lightsaber back to him, who he's now kind of like old Ben, the old wise yep. Jedi. It's there's a million ways you can analyze it, but mm-hmm. it was I think it was it was a, it wasn't the typical Star Wars ending, which is celebratory with music and right. everybody dancing, which has been the, the typical really yeah. been in all six films. Um, but this is a different way to do it, and didn't expect it, but it also was you know you can you can like I said look at it very from many different ways and it definitely opens it up for future films to take it where they will, which episode eight is already in production to this point. So we, right. they know where it's going, but uh, I am excited for where it's going. I think it left it uh, pretty, pretty mm-hmm. wide open. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great uh, foundation for 700 films. Maybe like, God, I mean, Daisy Ridley has to be booked for like 10 years. Yeah. At least. Just don't bother yeah. taking any other gigs for a while. Like go do like stage for three weeks a year or something and then come back and film. I guess they show. left it pretty wide open for Finn. Yes. They can go anywhere. Can go any way with that. And, yep. and depending on what John Boyega yep. does. And, and Jason pointed out quite astutely on our way home that, um, they've very well set up their, their a plot and their B plot for the next film. Like yep. you've got Ridley and Chewie going off to find Luke and Finn and, Poe uh, going to do whatever they're going to do. And, and then Kylo uh, doing what he does. Yes. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, you know. so, which will be very interesting. I really think, I mean, I, I love this movie. I think it's excellent. And I'm a huge J.J. Abrams fan. I think it it's set up, because he had a really tough task, I think, to try to put this all together and um, get us reacquainted while at the same time, you know, giving us new people that we were, got to be invested in. I think episode eight is the one where you, you gonna, have to start thinking, yeah. okay, this is the best Star Wars movie of all time because A, he won't he'll have something to play off of. And B, as much as I love JJ Abrams, Ryan Johnson is is a better director. Like he's a great, great director. And so yeah. I really think I'm I mean, See, I'm always gonna be excited. Yeah. I'm I'm always excited. I'm gonna be excited for any Star Wars movie ever. Um that one's the one where you have to really think like that's that could be like a best picture. Coming. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, Brian, and say Rogue One is going to surprise everybody and be freaking awesome. I cannot I'm, wait for Rogue One. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually soured at this point of the idea of a Han Solo origin film. I think that's a back, back, back tread at this point. Do you? Don't you think? Uh no. Because, I wouldn't I because of Lord and Miller. I think they've got. They I think can they'll do, do something idea. with that's it true. that will be so much better than what we can expect. And honestly, like I, I'm of the opinion because I am such a Star Wars nerd that if you can just do them. Not even great, but like B plus A minus movies. I'm okay with just about any origin story or standalone film or whatever. Like I just I you know I want to be involved in this universe as much as possible, and it's such a wide, wide universe that you can you can work in. There's so many moments that you could pick um, and make a film out of it, and make it if you've got the right people, which I think this proved. Um, that that Luke that Disney and Lucasfilm they they know what they're doing. If you've got the right people, you can make thousands of of characters and settings and whatnot interesting and fun and watchable um, in a movie. So I, I'm Lord and Miller doing Han Solo. Like I'm I'm still 100 percent in on that. But Rogue One's going to be I'm just as stoked about that as I am just you know pretty much. Yeah, I hope Rogue One. I mean, considering it takes place. before, like what isn't it prior to a new hope? Yes. I just hope that it, it leads. To, I mean, it just, I just don't want it to feel like a backtrack because I feel like this just moved things forward so well. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it got us past 30 years past Return of the Jedi perfectly. You know, it's like we know everything almost that's happened between – not everything that's happened between now and then, but we, we're at a place now 30 years later where we can move on, you know, and uh, not just keep talking about the past. So that that that's my only hesitation is that I just – I hope it fe- I hope it feels right in the timeline of Star Wars. Like it feels right in the consciousness of what, where we're going with Star Wars. Um, sure, sure. Like will it break from this? Everybody's so high on you know Finn, Ray, BB-8, this whole thing, um, Kylo Ren, etc. Well, you know, will Rogue One in between Episode Eight will it will it hurt or help that? Um, that's that's going to be interesting to to note. But we're I, only two years away from yeah. Episode Eight, so. I That's think those part. those standalone those anthology movies are going to be kind of like an appetizer yeah. for what for the next trilogy film. Like you're just going to come out of that thinking, mm-hmm. "Man, that was awesome. That was a lot of fun." And now I only have to wait one year instead of two years to for the next sure. uh, next That's Star good point. Wars. It's a good way to like I said, bridge the gap. So should we hit grades? Is there any anything else? that you can think of Brian off the top that we haven't hit where we are doing another episode later. Yeah. This week. We're going to, like we're going to digest this a little more and it's, right. it's literally four in the morning. <laughs> it's like four o'clock in the morning. Um, so. so, and we'll have another opportunity to talk on Sunday and I will have seen it at least twice more by then. So you want to hit a grade then? Yeah. I'm, for I'm up for it. Yeah. Richard. Yeah. I'm ready. Hit it. I'm a, I'll go a plus. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go a plus as well. Brian. Same a plus top. Two or three of the year, at least. Yeah. Maybe higher. Yeah. Where does this rank as far as Star Wars movies, Brian? That's really hard. That's really hard to tell. I mean, obviously, it's far above any of the prequels. Um, it's going to take time for me to be able to say that, like, even if this was the best Star Wars movie, it's, I'm not, I, I don't think I'd be willing, ready to say that at this point because I've, I've watched those other films literally hundreds, if not a thousand times. And so yeah. it's, it's just hard to, to quantify that, that, but I, I definitely fits. It feels like a star Wars movie and that's something that the prequels really lacked. And, um, so it, it fits quite well. And, and it's, it's certainly, uh, it's, it's, it's up there. I mean, I think empire is probably still a better film. Um, but if, I don't know it, this could, this could crack that that above New yeah, Hope yeah, or, or Return of the it's Jedi. Just, this, I think it's at least top three. It's somewhere yeah, yeah, between yeah. the yeah. New Hope Jedi. I think it's a better. I mean, it's a better film than Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is still probably my favorite just because I have the most emotional attachment to yeah. that one, and I, you know, was my favorite as a kid and stuff. But you know, I, I'm very willing to say that's the weakest of the three original trilogy films, and this is probably better than that. Okay, Richard, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Where can we find you, Brian? You can find me at Beagle 12 and you can check out the writing that Kent and I did this week. Full, ridiculous, delved into We're going to have to add all more droids and creatures and ships, I know, Brian. I know. It's I'm going to so have to do an update next, next time around um, for uh, Rogue One. And I can't so- believe – I mean I only put BB-8 as number two of best droids no. of all time. He's clearly yeah. number one now. I, <laughs> I feel like I made a mistake yeah. and let everybody down with my list, but – but check out our content at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And yes, again, episodes on all, all the previous Star Wars movies. Yes, and, tons and, and tons of Star Wars stuff out there. This yeah. has been a huge month for us. And again, we will be back uh, early next week with another Star Wars review with a couple of listeners who have uh, who've been able to join us this time around. We're very excited about that as well. So and until then, we'll see you next time. 